Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East, and this, this is the Sunday Sun. In today's episode, we're discovering new dinosaurs, Barbie is finally weightless, and we speak to a researcher about how mental health early in life could affect your chances of developing dementia. But first, it was this day in 1796 that the metric system was born. 226 years later, it's the most widely used system of measurement, with only the US, Liberia and Myanmar sticking to the imperial system. The Nobel Assembly at Karolinski Institute has today decided to award the 2021 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine jointly to David Julius and Ardem Pataputian. American scientists David Julius and Ardem Pataputian won the 2021 Nobel Prize in Medicine this week for the discovery of receptors in the skin that sense temperature and touch and could pave the way for new painkillers. Their work has helped show how humans convert the impact from heat or touch into nerve impulses. And according to David Julius, a professor at University of California, San Francisco, the research was inspired by everyday life. And it is true that walking through the supermarket aisle one day, seeing all these hot chili pepper sauces, etc., I was thinking, we really have to get this project done. David used capsaicin, a molecule that gives chili peppers their kick by creating a false sense of heat, to understand the skin's sense of temperature. His research partner, Ardem, is credited with finding the cellular mechanism and underlying gene that translates force on our skin to an electric nerve signal. We know a lot about various senses like vision and hearing. I think the sense of touch and pain really sort of was somewhat enigmatic, even among all the senses. I think identifying these molecules gives us tags to understand the cells that are involved and to begin to understand the neural circuitry that's involved. So at one level, it's just more basic curiosity-driven science to really understand the pathway through which pain signals and touch signals are sent from, the, from your skin, for example, to your spinal cord, to your brain, and really understand each stage because... Uh, maladaption or, you know, chronic pain can occur at each of those stages. And so these give, this gives, you know, work has given us a handle to really following that roadmap and trajectory. And then, um, you know, drug discovery is a long road. And so I think it's opened the way to allow pharmaceutical firms to use the knowledge that we've acquired, accumulated and discoveries to, you know, mount drug screening efforts and clinical trials but you know that's a long road to hoe as they say and so you know that'll take a while but i think you know our work has helped to launch some of that still to come on sunday 7 how co2 is being recycled into diamonds and nasa is sent to explore the mysterious trojan asteroids Over in the dinosaur capital of the UK, two new species have been unearthed on the Isle of Wight. 
These dinos came to their final resting place over 125 million years ago during the early Cretaceous period, before being discovered by fossil collectors and academics in recent years. We have found two new spinosaurs, and spinosaurs are some of the most exciting and interesting dinosaurs because they're doing something a little bit different from the rest of their group. Researchers from the University of Southampton analysed the find and have confirmed that they belong to previously unknown species of dinosaurs. My name's Neil Gosling. I'm an evolutionary developmental biologist and paleobiologist at the University of Southampton. We have written a paper on two new spinosaurs that have been discovered on the Isle of Wight. And it's a really lovely um, project that's involved lots of different people and the whole the whole work the the majority of this the analysis has been carried out by my phd student chris barker they are theropod dinosaurs which are the bipedal carnivorous dinosaurs the ones that are really exciting like t-rex and uh, velociraptor they were they are about nine meters in length um, large powerful hind limbs large powerful forelimbs but they are different from T-Rex and Velociraptor, in that rather than having this boxy head with full of sharp teeth, they are, um, they've got this long, slender, quite gracile, quite fragile-looking jaw almost, and this long, narrow jaw full of conical teeth rather than sort of blade-like teeth um, suggests, and we know, in fact, that these animals were catching and eating fish. And for its adaptations for hunting fish, it's earned quite a name for itself one we've called um, Cerotosuchops infrarodios, and that means the horned crocodile-faced hell heron because, <laughs> because we think that it would have been wading in the, the margins in relatively shallow water and striking and taking fish. But herons stand you know, sort of a metre and a half tall. This would have stood you know, five metres tall and it would have been nine metres long. <laughs> it's kind of hellish. As for the other dinosaur discovered, it had a much more sentimental naming process. The second discovery, Ripara venator milleni, the riverbank hunter, is named in honour of British paleontologist Angela Milner, who died recently. The finds were made over several years and local fossil collectors played a crucial role in the discoveries. One of the things I'm really proud about this paper is that there's, yes, there's the academics, we've taken them to, we've analysed it, we've worked out what we think it is and, and presented it. But we have got the collectors... Um, involved. Working with everybody is, and getting everyone to work together, I think has been a real, a real bonus uh, for, for, well, for me, but also for this, for this paper and for, and for science. <laughs> These are clearly an exciting find and it suggests that the UK had a greater diversity of dinosaurs than previously thought. And not only that. It seems from our analysis that, that spinosaurs originate in Europe and then migrate into Asia, South America, and two migrations into Africa. It's just been a really fascinating project. It's been, it's been super. weekend, NASA's embarking on a first-of-its-kind mission. Named Lucy, it'll be the first space mission to study the Trojans up close. And what are the Trojans, I hear you ask? Well, scientist Audrey Martin at Northern Arizona University has all the details. Let's begin by going back over four billion years, when the newly formed solar system consisted of trillions of tiny little rocky and icy objects. Many of these objects came together to form the planets. 
the majority of the others were scattered into the distant reaches of our solar system and beyond. But not all of them. Some are pristine asteroids that now orbit with Jupiter in two huge swarms. They're known as the Trojan asteroids. They're really, really mysterious, and we think that they come from the outer solar system. They're also really special in terms of understanding the evolution of the solar system and understanding the evolution of the planets because they have remained gravitationally stable for over billions of years. And astronomers have only been able to study these distant and enigmatic small bodies from Earth. But all of that is about to change. NASA's Lucy mission will embark on a 12-year journey to visit these primitive asteroids. And it's going to be really exciting because it'll be the first time that we are able to see these objects up close. So what are the Trojan asteroids? They're asteroids that orbit with Jupiter around the sun that ultimately hold the clues to the formation of our solar system. Diamonds, concrete and fancy leggings. What do these things all have in common? Well, they can all be made using recycled carbon dioxide. That's right, everyone's favourite greenhouse gas is now being put to commercial use. New York-based Ether Diamonds grows gems in the lab using captured CO2. We are the first and only manufacturer on the planet who's producing diamonds from captured carbon. So that means every atom of carbon that makes up our diamonds was formerly warming the planet. Ryan Sherman is the company's founder and CEO. As he explains, Ether Diamonds is committed to removing 20 metric tons of CO2 from the atmosphere for every carat of diamond they sell. Unlike regular lab-grown diamonds or mined diamonds, we're not sitting here squabbling over which process harms the planet the least. We've flipped that paradigm on its head. We're producing diamonds that drive a tangible benefit to the environment, to the planet, and to the people that live here. But how exactly do you recycle CO2? Well, the California-based carbon transformation company 12 works on deconstructing carbon dioxide using water and renewable electricity. Just as plants use CO2 water and the sun's energy to create carbon-based products, they've invented a device that replicates photosynthesis at an industrial scale, turning CO2 into chemicals, materials and fuels. According to the UN, the world needs to capture 10 million tonnes of CO2 annually by 2015 to slow climate change. For 12 CEO Kendra Kuhn, recycling carbon could be the solution. Our technology will allow us to directly take carbon dioxide and make it into you know, important and essential materials and compounds. Um, if we don't have this type of technology, we'll have to continue to use fossil carbon like petroleum and natural gas, which will eventually add carbon dioxide into our atmosphere. Still to come on the Sunday 7, we hear about the world's smallest flying microchip and speak to a scientist about how happiness could affect your chances of developing dementia later in life. Right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. You're listening to The Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso. Or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. Inspired by the aerodynamics of wind-dispersed seeds, researchers have developed the world's smallest human-made flying structure. And when they say the world's smallest, they really are small. They're about the size of a grain of sand and don't require a motor or an engine. Like the pirouetting sycamore seeds, nature's designed some seeds to have sophisticated aerodynamics that allow them to fall slowly. And that has the effect of increasing the dispersal distance from the tree. And that's the name of the game, is spreading the seeds as far as possible. That's John Rogers, a bioelectrics pioneer from Northwestern University. Described as a winged microchip, a team of engineers there have developed these microflyers that can be broadly dispersed to monitor pollution and airborne disease. The goal of this project has been to add capability for winged flight to electronic circuit chips. Uh, with the idea that those capabilities would allow us to distribute highly functional but miniaturized electronic devices that could sense the environment for disease tracking, population surveillance, maybe monitoring of environmental contamination, uh, and so on. Roger's team studied the aerodynamic qualities of several plant seeds and finally drew inspiration from the Tristellacea vine, which has star-shaped seeds. So the objects that we've created consist of two parts. One is an electronic functional component, uh, that has an overall size scale in the range of one millimeter. So almost like a tiny grain of sand, uh, but we've integrated with that electronic chip wing structures that um, form almost what looks like a, a helicopter. And so as these structures fall through the air, in interaction between the air and those wings cause a rotational motion that creates a very stable, slow falling velocity that allows these structures to interact for extended periods with ambient wind that uh, really enhances the dispersal process much like seeds do in the biological world. We think we've beaten biology uh, in a sense. After the first ever Barbie was released, everyone's favourite play doll has gone through her fair share of career changes. We've seen Dr. Barbie, Military Barbie, Yoga Teacher Barbie, and even Beekeeper Barbie. But now, the brand has teamed up with the European Space Agency's only active female astronaut for a special version of the doll to inspire young girls into STEM and aerospace. The collaboration sees Samantha Cristoforetti get her own Barbie doll that will be available for purchase across Europe and a portion of sales will go towards creating a Barbie bursary for a PhD student. Not only that, in honour of World Space Week, Barbie got to experience zero-G courtesy of the European Space Agency. Samantha Cristoforetti, the next commander of the International Space Station, hopes this can be an inspiration to the next generation. 
Well, as astronauts, something that we all really care about is inspiring the next generation, inspiring young boys and girls to take up careers in, in space exploration or in general in, in science and technology. Well, maybe that footage, those images will uh, you know, kindle a sparkle of passion in some girl's heart and, and that would be uh, incredible. A study from the University of California has revealed that happiness early in life could protect against dementia. Whilst there's already plenty of evidence that links depression with dementia, most studies have pointed to its association in later life. However, researchers from UC San Francisco have now shown that depression in early adulthood could lead to lower cognition 10 years down the line and even cognitive decline in old age. I'm uh, Dr. Willa Brenowitz. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences, as well as Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of California, San Francisco. The researchers used innovative statistical methods to predict average trajectories of depression for 15,000 participants aged 20 to 89. They then applied these predicted trajectories to a group of approximately 6,000 older participants. And with that, we found that uh, early adulthood in particular, as well as late life depressive symptoms, were both associated with higher risk of cognitive impairment and later in life. The odds of cognitive impairment were 73% higher for those estimated to have elevated depressive symptoms in early adulthood. So why do you think the odds of cognitive impairment were so much higher for those people? It could be that depression does have potential effects on the brain. It could have increased um, stress hormones that, that affect the hippocampus, which is a, a kind of our memory center in the brain that is um, hit kind of early on with Alzheimer's disease. So depression could be acting as kind of an additional hit on, on the brain that, that affects risk for, for dementia and kind of in, increases susceptibility later in life. We think it could be something that's kind of accumulating over the lifespan and the early onset is kind of, um, it means have, you have potentially a long period of time where you could have other problems as well that develop due to link with depression. And that in turn increases your risk for Alzheimer's disease. But I think what our study is trying to show is just that there is probably an association with depression and dementia. Um, and that earlier life might be a very particularly important window when these risks are accumulating. We won't, don't know that for sure, but we want future studies to kind of focus in kind of the earlier in life course to give a, a better idea of when does this risk emerge and can we intervene upon it and if we do intervene would that potentially reduce risk for cognitive impairment and dementia later in life. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.